you guys. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode I truly have no idea somewhere in the 400s. I've been dealing with a little bit of like not feeling great, so I have been trying to sleep it off. But in the meantime, I did not want you to have to wait, God forbid, a couple extra days before getting an all new episode. And there were a couple things I was thinking about that I wanted to um, discuss. First off, I have to say that if you are not watching The Bear, which is a show on Hulu ostensibly about a family, a, a group of folks trying to keep open and then reopen a restaurant and all that that entails and really the deeper dynamics of trying to process and work through grief and anxiety and everything else. It is a perfect show. Um, I watched season one, died for it. Season two came along. I was like, I need like a couple days before I watch this because I know it's going to fuck me up. And it is one of those shows where you think to yourself, the first season was perfect. How could they do better? And then you watch the second season and you're like, how the fuck do they do better? It's unbelievable. I'm excited to deep dive it on an upcoming episode of Taking It Personally, um, which you can listen to on this same feed as Andy's Girls. And it is one of those shows that really makes you think and is emotional, but also lovely, wrenching at times. Um, it can make you feel incredibly tense at moments <laughs> because the speed, including the the speed and shape of emotions um, can feel uh, staggering, um, but I highly recommend it. So I ended up watching season two, of course, and over the course of a day. And someone tweeted something that I saw, you know, on Instagram days later, which was why it was both a question and a little bit of a decree that wouldn't it be great if um, the bear was available weekly and and just like that was the binge so that we could work through and just like that and then never think about it ever again and allow ourselves the space to really reflect on the Bears weekly um, episodes. Instead, it's a full season long drop, which I know I should be grateful for, but it does in fact make me um, wish that they did some sort of weekly drop instead, which is available and possible to do with other Hulu shows. They just give us too much. They give us too much of what we need. So anyway, looking forward to deep diving that on a future tip episode. Um, but in the meantime, I feel slightly awkward discussing this, but I need to be very honest because I'm having side conversations <laughs> with other people in the Bravo world. And I don't know that I have addressed this on AG before. And one of the reasons, the main reason that I haven't is because I didn't believe the rumors. And now I have to tell you if I'm being extremely honest, which I typically am here on AG, I sort of feel a certain way about the conversation taking place, spoiler alert, not really, about Kyle, Mauricio, and a friend of Kyle's. Now, there have been conversations that have been 
at the absolute forefront of plot on BH and certainly online speculation about Kyle and Mauricio's marriage for years. Is he seeing somebody else? How did this impact rumors and speculation? I mean, that had a huge impact in the downfall of Kyle and LVP's relationship, that whole kerfuffle during a previous season of LVP allegedly, according to Brandy, telling her to bring a certain tabloid cover on a trip, talking about um, allegations that Mauricio was cheating on Kyle as a topic of plot. LVP used to joke about it in scenes with Kyle that Kyle got upset by. Other people have talked about speculations relating to their relationship. And to me, it felt like they had one of the most solid and secure marriages and dynamics on Housewives, not just BH, but any Housewives show. It appeared to me quite obvious that these two people adored each other. I didn't believe any speculation. Um, certainly, there are other conversations take, that have taken place about Mo and his like business practices and other things. But I have to say that when it came to rumors specific to their relationship, I really didn't believe it. And it didn't even feel like something that I wanted to discuss or address. And then two friends of mine have been posting just some kind of recent thoughts and feels about the ways that Kyle and Mauricio, who, you know, I'm used to seeing be all over each other, including on social media, have kind of adjusted the ways that they've even celebrated, I guess you could say, their own marriage or, you know, lifetime milestones in a way that kind of just instinctively makes me go like, huh. So Bravo Historian and Face Reality 16 have essentially summarized this, and I'm pulling from uh, combining essentially both of those summaries of the reasons that some people, including content creators, are giving a particular amount of side eye to the ways that they are interacting on social. Noting, by the way, that, you know, how, who, who are we to know what is actually going on? I mean, everything is sort of speculation at a certain point. And also, this is going to be a part of the storyline for the upcoming season because Mauricio went on to tease in a pod or whatever the fuck and um, talked to, uh, you know, Kyle's bestie, essentially, Teddy and Tamara about, I guess, a rumor that comes up on the upcoming season that he thinks is ridiculous. But anyway, Kyle, just the other day, so they both attended Whitney um, Kim's uh, daughter's wedding recently, and I don't know where it was. I assume it was in Aspen, but it could have been in like fucking Montana, but everybody was wearing a, you know, hat. So um, I, it could have been in either place. I think it was in Aspen, but I truly, absolutely have no idea. Anyway, they both attended in addition to, you know, Kyle's sisters, seemingly entire families. And it was actually very heartwarming because there were a number of videos that Kyle and Kathy were posting where they were getting along and dancing and singing with Kim. And it felt like the sisters were coming together in a beautiful way. So all that being said, Kyle and Mauricio were at Whitney, Kim's daughter's wedding recently this past week. Okay. As was Mauricio's birthday. Kyle posted two Instagram stories that were essentially like, happy birthday, but not 
as effusive as, as we have seen in the past, which Mauricio didn't repost. I feel a little bit like an asshole of just going down this checklist of comments because there's something about diagnosing rumors of a marriage by the ways that these people interact with each other on social that does honestly feel a little bit ridiculous, except that often social media is shown and reflected, especially by people who've spent a decade on reality TV as an extension of their real life. It is Social media is as filtered as the filtered lives that we see on reality TV, except that you get to be your own editor. So you get to decide what you want to share, how you want to communicate, and you know that all eyes are on you and speculation is going to exist. So it does say something that the years of like flowery, warm, loving communications that we've seen between these two people who've been married for over 20 years has changed. That is something. Now that might just be maybe they're living their lives um, in real life so closely that they aren't posting on social. But I don't know that that's it. Anyway, Mo had his birthday a couple years ago. Kyle, a couple years ago, lol. A couple days ago, Kyle put up two Instagram stories that were like, happy birthday. And Mauricio didn't repost them, but seemingly reposted all of the other greetings coming from close family and friends. He posted previously on Grid, I believe, for her birthday. She didn't like or comment it. He posted on Grid about her on Valentine's Day. She didn't acknowledge, like, or uh, comment. The same with Mother's Day. And something feels off. And again, to say that, you know, people are getting a sense of things by social media Take that with what you want, you know, take that with what you will, whatever the phrase is. It it, it could mean absolutely nothing. It is, though, a little strange that for people who have an obvious understanding of all eyes on them, that when, you know, your husband, for example, is posting photos and his love or affection or whatever on your birthday, on Valentine's Day, and on Mother's Day, it is a little um, out of touch with how they have communicated previously that she hasn't necessarily acknowledged it or acknowledged it in the ways that we've seen in years prior. And unfortunately, there is, you know, that little throwback from the dinner party from hell that some people are thinking about in terms of what Her Holiness Alison Dubois <laughs> once said he will never emotionally fulfill you. Know that. Now, after the fact, Camille said, listen, we, th- we all think as a collective, she was drawing on the energy of Kelsey. She was, you know, she was thinking she was talking about Mauricio, but actually I think Allison was really talking about me and kind of had a little bit of a missed signal there. And that is entirely the case. It's also entirely the case she might have been like, pulling this out of her ass to fuck with this woman she didn't like, and she meaning Allison toward Kyle. And also, who knows what's happening? Kyle has grown very close with a singer called Morgan Wade, and they have become seemingly very friendly. And they're has been a little bit of a speculation, some rumors around maybe their deep 
you know, adoration for each other from a platonic perspective may include something else. Who knows who's to say? It's just one of those things when I was looking at Bravo Historians recap and Face Reality 16's recap and what other content creators have recapped too, there is something about this that feels different. Now, it is entirely possible that over the course of a 20 years plus um, marriage, there can, you know, there can be hills and valleys. Maybe they're working through some stuff. Maybe they are at a little bit of a crossroads. Maybe they're just not interested in acknowledging each other on social as some sort of like marital chess game. I have truly no idea. Sometimes these moments on social media where you're acknowledging and celebrating your loved one, oftentimes I feel like, sure, you want to say that in real life, but there's a pressure to also include those acknowledgments on social media. Because if you don't, there will be a firestorm of people asking why. And as you guys know, I have a complicated relationship with Kyle. There have been moments where she has behaved in a manner that I really strongly disagree with. And also she's in my top five. So... I'm hoping for the best for them. We have seen so much of their dynamic and so much of their love, and it just feels like something is a little bit up. And I'm curious for how Beverly Hills will cover this. I don't know which cast member brings up rumors, and I don't know if the rumor is specific to Kyle's um, friendship with Morgan, and that's sort of the entry point to talk about her marriage with Mauricio. Who knows the ways that their relationship, um, that Mo and Kyle's relationship, who knows how that works behind closed doors? Like, who knows what conversation they are having right now? It just to me feels like there is a difference between the ways that they are acknowledging each other and speculation about their dynamic aside from that podcast interview that feels different to me than all of the speculation that's existed essentially since Kyle joined the show, essentially since Beverly Hills began. So I am hoping for the best because I fucking love these two lovebirds. I love their marriage. I love their relationship together. I love Kyle's love and affection for her German shepherd and her dogs. I love their perfect house. Like I, I really love, I of course adored and I couldn't feel older about seeing how Portia has grown up and the rest of Kyle, Kyle's kids have grown and matured. And I don't know. I just, I feel like their relationship and dynamic, actually similar to LVP and Ken's, has been, well, there hasn't been any speculation about Lisa Vanderpump and Ken's dynamic that isn't related to like Lisa's own punchlines at the end of a sentence that are obviously jokes. I just feel like these are two relationships that I I personally never really questioned, even if there were questions around Kyle and Mo. And right now I just feel a little bit like, huh, I just, I'm hoping for the best. I really am. I'm curious for your thoughts. If I might have to put up a poll, honestly. I'm gonna, I am might have to put up a poll on Instagram today on stories and get people's thoughts on if they think that this is related to something real or just speculation. And also if you care, because I don't know, there's a certain amount of exhaustion that a person might feel just about maybe this conversation even existing over, oh, you can tell my voice is like a little out of it. Um, this conversation existing for the nth time after a decade of seeing these um, 
families' lives and kind of talking about rumors and speculation. Maybe people are just tired of hearing about it. For I cannot tell it, I can't tell you why. It's just there's something instinctively in me that's like something might be up. And I hope it's not. I really hope it's not. Um, I'm curious though. I really am. And I really genuinely am curious for how Beverly Hills is going to work this season. Obviously, Rinna isn't a part of the show. I'm curious for how they're going to interact. I've seen Crystal has engaged with a lot of Kyle's posts with a lot of affection. Curious for their relationship. We know now that Kathy isn't going to be back, which I think while I'm disappointed by it, I don't know that that was actually the worst idea. Maybe a little bit of a pause for Kathy's role, especially if, you know, her relationship with Kyle and Kim right now seems solid, at least from what we've seen again through the lens of social media. Um, I don't, I, while I wish that Kathy was back, I understand that maybe it's for the best that she's not this season and maybe she'll come back next season. I mean, who's to say? I, I wonder how much of this dynamic we'll get into on Paris and Love, which I don't know if they're shooting now or finished shooting or where things are there. But um, if you didn't watch the first season of Paris and Love, I know this is going to sound strange because I had very low expectations for it. I thought it was really, really interesting and dynamic and showed a lot about the relationship between Paris and Kathy that was not cookie cutter. Everything's great, which I appreciated seeing. Honestly, I was surprised at moments of honesty that felt very much seeped in truth. Um, so who knows to be continued on that. I do also have to say that I rewatched Atlanta, which I have now seen two and a half times, I want to say. I guessed it on my pal Dylan Hafer's podcast, mentioned it all yesterday, and we talked a lot about um, Bravo girl bosses because for some reason I keep bringing up dumb shit that Bethany Frankel has said on social and can't get out of that absolute abyss. So we did have a conversation about Bethany's understanding of what it means to be a girl boss versus, um, I don't know, a girl mentor. I was a girl boss mentor, I would say. But in addition to that conversation, we did talk a little bit about Atlanta. And I just watched the episode again. And certainly I will get into this on the next AG. But I did have to kind of watch a couple times the convo between Sheree and Candy. Because the first time that I watched it, I thought to myself, what is happening here? And I understood some of what Sheree was saying. And I actually really appreciated the the fact that at a certain point, Candy was like, I'm tired of this. Let me apologize so we don't have to keep on fighting. And I thought in Sheree's response, she was like, okay. Like it, it felt to me a little bit like she was thinking to herself, no, ma'am, this is my moment. This is a part of my storyline is us having this argument. You can't just say the apology that I have repeatedly asked for and then be done with it because I'm not quite there. But I do think that there is a shared respect that these women have for each other specific to Candy and Sheree that I appreciate. But I did also have a couple questions because I understood Sheree's you know, opinion to Candy saying, listen, I didn't have a great experience at your restaurant, but I didn't blow you up about it on social media. You guys didn't pass your first health inspection. I wasn't mentioning that on social. And I wish that you had been as loyal to me as I was to you. And I totally understood that perspective. I think Candy did as well. But also, 
you know, a bajillion people weren't asking Sheree if she had dined at one of Candy's restaurants and her thoughts on Candy's restaurant, I guess, you know, temporarily not passing some sort of inspection. But many, many people were talking about the unfortunate almost launch of She by Sheree. It was a huge part of not only that season's conversation, but also wasn't there a, a countdown clock on the whatever day it was supposed to launch? It was either the reunion or the finale. I thought I remember there being some sort of like countdown of like about to launch, about to launch, about to launch. And this has been the fashion show without fashions. This has the unfortunate storyline that I think we've been focused on is not really that Sheree is coming up with a fashion line which we all love that idea, but the fact that the fashion line, which we saw in the early days of Atlanta, included a fashion show with no fashions. It was always connected to an unfortunate failure to launch, which I don't love for Sheree. I think many of us want her to succeed. I cannot get over my affection for her this season. I think she is so funny and I think really endearing and charming. And I think she has a lot of grounded empathy for people that I appreciate. I think she's necessary, especially because there are these two warring factions that are seemingly never going to be able to reconcile deep-seated frustration they have with each other or questioning the, these, uh, the other's intentions, I mean, specifically of really candy toward Marlowe. Um, and so I think this is where Sheree is truly the secret ingredient, and she's really important as a result. But also... <laughs> poor sweet Sheree is maybe not following guidance that has been suggested and recommended to her by Candy and the ways that she has received it and processed it through the idea of like, I'm not going to take your fashion sense because I don't respect your style versus what are we actually doing here, Sheree? Because She by Sheree isn't a fashion line. I mean, it is it is a company that I would love to support, and it sells fitness items and apparel and accessories, including a yoga mat that I remember when she previously tried to launch She by Sheree. This was, I don't remember how long ago, in the last couple years. I remember she had a yoga mat because I feel like I had someone on AG who ordered it and it never came. But I remember to myself thinking about getting one. And I couldn't tell you what the exact price point was, but I think it was like $39 or something. The She by Sheree, She Yoga Mat, as it is just called on currently SheBySheree.shop, is $130. $130. The hoodie that we saw Andy wear after filming the Atlanta reunion, he posted it on social media. Do you know how much that hoodie is? This isn't even the sweatsuit set. This I don't know what I think Brooks Marks, which totally different dynamic in person and value system to Bravo history. But I think Brooks is, which I, I would consider a form of like athleisure fashion is maybe a little bit over $100. I couldn't tell you specifically, but Sheree's She's a Star hoodie, which we have seen Andy wear, Jogger sold separately, by the way, is on sale right now for $252. Two, and the joggers, if you want to get the pants, are $162. The total of a set of She Buy hoodie, She Buy joggers is 
just over $400. That's plus tax and plus shipping. Now, I do appreciate that there's a 10% discount code that you get if you sign up for like email alerts. So that'll knock off like around 40 bucks. But then you have tax and then you have shipping. And then you're probably right back in that area of 400 if not maybe a little bit more. That's tough. And when Sheree is saying to Gandhi, I wouldn't t- I wouldn't like take your advice because you don't have great style. Ma'am, I don't think that Candy would be selling a sweatsuit for over $400 and considering that necessarily a success. And I know that there's an argument right now around when the website crashed and when it was back up and what does it mean that the website crashed because you know, that's a part of Sheree's tagline. It's, you know, a part of the culture of her success right now is she crashed the internet. But to me, that just means that they weren't prepared for the amount of traffic it was going to get after this amount of time that people have been waiting, which is different from the amount of time she's been actually working on this. But certainly for many of us, we've been waiting for She by Sheree to launch for God knows how many years. So the fact that it crashed is like, cool, not necessarily a great indicator of preparation. But when you note that, yes, you can buy things now, the fact that it's priced at over $400, I wish she had maybe talked to some of her contemporaries inside the Housewives universe about how to create a successful line. Because it feels like this is something that Dylan and I discussed, I mentioned it all, but it feels like she's falling a little bit into the trap that Sonia Morgan has been in as well. The idea that They think of themselves as being very fashion forward and stylish, which God bless, I don't disagree on either account, but that doesn't mean that's where your customer base is. And the ways that we identify a a housewife's business model is often based on the ways that we perceive them, their personality, and definitely their style on the shows. Obviously, Atlanta, for example, as Beverly Hills is, is very, very label-focused. So I could understand why an Atlanta housewife as a Beverly Hills housewife, excepting Lisa Rinna, might be leaning toward a different kind of ethos in how they are, you know, producing their lines that you think, well, you think of me potentially as a fashion person. I think of myself as a fashion person. I also have talked for years about how I want this to be a fashion line. And so the idea of scaling it toward an audience that isn't going to necessarily be buying the labels we're watching you wear week after week Ideally, hopefully, we're thinking in terms of making sure that the audience you're selling selling to can afford your product. I would think that when you're thinking about contemporaries, I mean, this is something that Sonia really ran into trouble with and a certain amount of tension with Heather Thompson, for example, in how she was selling and, and thinking of her contemporaries in the space of retail. Like, who do you think, you know, we're talking about this being like a family legacy, worldwide, yada, yada, sexy J brand, but who do you actually think that you're going to be selling next to in a Macy's or, you know, LOL, rest in peace, or maybe still living. I can't remember. Century 21. I, I, I think that that is the difficulty that housewives run into because you think to yourself, wait, I don't want to hurt my reputation by saying I 
shouldn't exist. My clothes shouldn't exist next to Ralph Lauren. So what what will that do to me as opposed to thinking about how can I reach my, the people who might be interested in buying my clothing, which maybe could be people who don't necessarily know a lot about Housewives, but more than likely is going to at least start with Housewives fans. I mean, Bethany Frankel, love her or not, created a very specific, very successful brand that originated and grew exponentially because specifically because of name recognition, specifically because of the ways that we saw her hustle and work her fucking ass off on New York. And when she came up with this idea, it was the right idea at the right time priced correctly and marketed toward her fan base. And the problem I think that Sheree is running into, which Sonia ran into before any number of housewives have, is the fact that A, you aren't necessarily going to get name recognition outside of the appeal of the housewives fan base. And also, can your fans afford these items? Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really try truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. 
Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. For Sheree, selling a $400 sweatsuit, especially one that seems identical to She by Shein and other extremely fast fashion brands and also like, you know, stuff you can find on Amazon Prime. The fact that you can find these things for X amount of dollars, I don't know that people would be upset if there was some sort of upcharge on that, but you are first off absolutely eliminating anyone who might have heard about you but not necessarily know your life story on Housewives when you are selling this stuff for $400 and when you Google it and can see that it's readily available for some of these items, not necessarily the jogger set, but other sweats that are, you know, being sold on Sheree's website for over $100 you can find for seven. So like that's not great. However, I do think that there would still be people who would absolutely buy her products. I would be one of them. I would totally buy a She by Sheree $40 or $50 hoodie. The quality, you know, could be fun to find out. I think it's uh, considered a little bit of a throwaway LOL that people would spend. And she's limiting that window for customers by not looking and respecting and understanding not necessarily that like this is kind of a joke to people, but also the fact that there are people who genuinely want to support her. I definitely consider myself one of them, but who cannot afford and also refuse to afford a $400 wink and nod. That is an extraordinary amount of money. And if you are charging that much, you damn well better make sure that this is somebody something that nobody else has. Because if you are selling seemingly identical items as you know to companies selling them with a for a hell of a lot less without that she by Sheree moniker you got to make sure that it's not priced in a way that is completely wild and i think in that scene we still see from Sheree which is maybe something that some of us find 
lovable, a complete disinterest and misunderstanding about what could have made this line successful. And if her marketing right now is, we broke the internet, I mean, the internet has been healed and now we can see what's for sale. And it just is something that I kind of find a little bit sad. And it's like, I want Sheree to do well. I want her to want to do well. I want her to be like working hard and asking Candy, whose style she may not respect, but whose business practices I bet she does, for a little bit of counsel on how to market and sell her brand, which number one boils down to price point potentially as more important than the actual, you know, success and durability of the style for her not to do that to me is both disappointing, but also consistent for Sheree. I mean, there's a lack of awareness that Sheree has that I find deeply enjoyable to watch on TV. And also, as I said, I cannot want Sheree to be more successful than Sheree does. And if she is limited by the idea that her value and her brand should be priced high, regardless of whatever it is that she's selling, she's going to get what she's going to get as a result. I, I hope that maybe down the line she does some sort of relaunch. I don't know how that is possible. I would rather her do some sort of, some sort of relaunch with items that are more realistically feasibly affordable for the large number of people who would want to support her and buy that line than see this stuff heavily 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 discounted i mean dorinda the thing that i focus on on dorinda's website dorinda was selling a bluestone manor mug for like over 40 dollars that to me is not a realistic price point. And I think for some of these women, you're looking at the margins, but not the percentage. Like you're looking at how much money I will make after this one item versus how many people can feasibly afford or will want to afford to buy it. And if you are selling something that people can afford to buy, the chances are you're going to sell a lot more of them and making a lot more money in the long term. But a lot of these kind of merch grabs are focused on short-term thinking or on the idea and the trap that a lot of these women fall in, which is my my value and the brand in which I see myself is often at a much, much higher rate than what other people potentially could be guiding me or in what I'm seeing from other people. Maybe Sheree did do a little bit of a cross-analysis of how much other, you know, Bravo Lebs are selling their sweatshirts and merch and thinking, well, I have She by Sheree. My name recognition is huge. And as a result, I should be selling this at a huge markup. And frankly, at the end of the day, who am I to disagree? I mean, I think if you think about the sales that have possibly come in versus what could have happened had she been selling this stuff for $50 potentially or even $60, I mean, she has tank tops on sale for like over $80. That's a lot of money to be a fan. Because at the, at the end of the day, the, the identity here, the name recognition and value is huge, but it's huge within the Bravo community. And people on Bravo are not necessarily going to want to buy a $152 
pair of leggings. She does have some tanks that are available um, for $42. I see one that says she can, she will, she did, and, you know, love to see it. Um, she has socks available for $25, so maybe that's something I would be interested in. She has truck her, trucker hats available for $48. I really did have a lot of fun looking at her website, and, you know, she sold a pair of sort of lace looking joggers sold out for $182. So kudos to people who will be rocking those in Vegas at BravoCon. I mean, can you imagine what her sales would have been like and could be like in advance of BravoCon when there is a high, high, high number of attendees who wear Bravo adorned merch? I just wish that there had been some sort of connection here in scale that I think could have helped her. And I thought that was the missing piece in the conversation with Candy, but Sheree won't let go the idea that this was a success, the idea that some of the challenges that she faced in this launch, which were a little bit disconcerting for supporters like myself, maybe not everybody, but I certainly count myself as a fan and supporter of Sheree, that you know we wanted her to succeed, but at the end of the day, she gets to make these decisions. And I also think while it is helpful and understandable that she to hear her communicate her upset to Candy about Candy making jokes, I totally get that. Sheree, I totally get Sheree's upset, but I also think it's not apples to apples when you look at Sheree using that example of, you know, I didn't have a great experience um, at your restaurant, but I didn't let your ass up on social versus the overwhelming conversation and response to the launch not working out. I don't think that's an equal comparison, but I can certainly understand from Sheree's perspective and bringing this up on camera, which has a couple different benefits for her. I can understand why she would genuinely feel annoyed thinking that Candy is one of her supporters and one of her allies and should not be a person who's participating in jokes. Noting that, I mean, a lot of people are, including people who enjoy Sheree, because this is the thing that we have been waiting for and, and um, hoping to see for so many years. And I just couldn't get over that scene. I watched it a couple times. I do love the way that it ended because I felt like Sheree was ready to go on a few more beats. But I... I I hope I wish her the best. I mean, that's like the most housewives line a responsive person could say. But it is something I really do believe. I want Sheree to succeed, but I cannot force this person to be thinking long term. And even short term, it didn't necessarily work out because the website couldn't process sales at the absolute highest point in which a person would want to be throwing down cash. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the trailer for next week does show, you know, some alum uh, dinner bonding taking place with Deshaun and Lisa Wu and Kim Zolciak returning to have a nosh with Sheree. I'm very curious for how long that scene will last and what it is that they're going to discuss, if it's going to be you know, relationships and dynamics with existing um, people in the cast? Or is it going to be a, hey, how are you doing? What happened with your divorce? Speaking not of Kim, who was at this point happily married to Croy. I'm curious if he will, if cameras will show him waiting outside the restaurant in a car, which is kind of his thing. Um, 
I, I, I want to know what the vibe is going to be. I assume it's going to be quite friendly between these women. And it is also interesting to see Sheree as the person who broke records. I mean, she's the she's the only full-time housewife to my knowledge who has returned to the franchise for a third time as a full-timer we've seen housewives who've been full-time then left then come back some in demoted roles some not um obviously that's that happened with bethany as well who made her return after a few seasons off to film her spinoff and um fail talk show but i'm curious to see what will what that scene will look like and i watched the trailer and was like I thought it was kind of adorable, honestly, to see these women together. And I'm curious for the who Deshaun is now. I, I She hasn't been on the show for so long. I'm curious to see how they will get along. We've seen Lisa Wu pop up and make cameos before. Um, and I'm, you know, the dynamic with Kim will be really interesting. And maybe they'll give a little bit of an update on their lives. Maybe they're there to just you know, have a couple laughs, which I'm also happy to see. And this is one of those moments where Sheree is incredibly valuable to the franchise because, again, not only is she bridging the gap, as we saw in the Gucci brunch, but she is also, to me, like the one great ambassador who can bridge Housewives of Atlanta past, present, and potentially future. Um, And I am also curious, obviously this has come up in conversation as the Kim and Croy divorce has grown so, it's just so acrimonious and gets more heated and seemingly angrier and potentially more vengeful as the days go on. There is a conversation that people have had of like, will Kim return to Housewives? It seems that she is open to it. I don't know that she could afford not to be at this point because of more of an openness potentially to discuss the fact that like she doesn't have money anymore um, and maybe hasn't for a while. So I I would be curious to hear your thoughts and if you want her to return. That should be another poll that I'll put up um, on Instagram today because I'm curious to hear it. I don't think that she's necessary but I'm also I don't know I guess we could see what happens maybe it would be something that would bring Kenya and Marlo potentially closer together to shit on Kim so that might be heartening to see the Marlo dynamic I continue to be confused by because there are moments where she is providing for us Um, intimate aspects of her life that we haven't seen prior, talking about her charity work, um, giving more of an inside peek toward the healing journey she's on with her her nephews as they're Monty, going on a date and talking about, oh my God, might we kiss? Who's to say? I mean, watching that is, is nice to see, but then a person sort of has these moments that are really necessary, maybe not all of them, but some of them, when you talk about the importance of a personal storyline for a full-timer, have that offset with this really kind of awkward, confusing, sometimes concerning dynamic with the ongoing um, relationship, shall we say, between Marlo and Candy. And a level of potential producing there, but also awkwardness and the fact that Candy's responses to, you know, conversation about how she felt that Candy didn't support her 
are also difficult to have when you aren't able to fully break the fourth wall and say, from Candy's perspective, I don't believe that you think that this is, I don't believe that what you are saying you think is real in the ways that you are communicating it. I think Candy's perspective is that Marlo is doing an awful lot of self-producing, which if you agree with Candy, is a perspective that can unfortunately, understandably, um, make a person less interested in these other aspects of Marlo's life that we're finally seeing because she's full time. And I don't know that Marlo can get out of her own way in a way that, I mean, how many housewives could we say also can't get in their own way, which makes them in many ways more valuable. Um, It is that lack of (laughs) self-awareness seemingly crucial for most housewives, Um, that sort of inexplicable je ne sais quoi. But I think for Marlo, the ways that she communicates sometimes is there isn't a lot of light there. And I think it can be difficult to sustain that. I don't know that that is sustainable long term. I think it's much more sustainable if you're in a friend of position where you don't have the pressure of having these other aspects of your lives shared, which could be an opening for people to find empathy for you and an understanding of who you are that they might not if you're in a more limited role. But the flip side to that is if you are like frustrating fans by your behaviors in big moments, they might be less interested in hearing valuable insight into your lives in those smaller ones. So Marlo to me is a little bit of a TBD. I don't know that this is entirely working out. It's her second season as a full-time cast member. I think Marlo has more than paid her due in being a friend of for like over a decade. I forget when she started being a friend of, but let's say it's over a decade. Boom. There we go. There it is. That's how facts work. Um, I, I just think she has done an awful lot and definitely deserved to hold a peach. I just don't know if she's meant to be a full-timer long-term. I, I just don't know. I don't have an answer for it. And in the ways that Vicky, uh, you know, was brought back in a friend of and then remained incredibly pissed about being a friend of after accepting the role of friend of, I don't know that Marlo would necessarily want to return in a friend of capacity. And there are other housewives who refuse to do it. After Tamara was fired, as a part of that seemingly firing, they offered her X number of episodes, a very small number for however much money. And she said no, because she felt like she was worth more. And um, that's happened any number of times on a multitude of franchises. I don't know that that is something that production feels. They might feel happy and confident with Marlo's work right now. And also, you know, if you feel like the season until the last two episodes, I might say, has not necessarily been a hit or maybe not been a miss, but just hasn't had that that extra spark that oftentimes Atlanta does. Um, I don't know how much of that is Marlo's responsibility to carry versus just a little bit of a breakdown in the cast. And that happens. Franchises have off seasons and it's possible to do. And maybe that will inspire some casting changes or something else. Sometimes the ways that a housewife might self-produce, they're able to change that, um, you know, work that they're doing behind the scenes when they see that it hasn't been well received. But also that might be stuff that's out of their control. I don't know. It's 
when you talk about presenting a certain personality, there is the hope that some people feel of like, wow, if you're having a bad season, you can really change that. But maybe that lack of self-awareness that we celebrate in Housewives, regardless of how we critique them, is also connected to an inability to change in that way. The lack of self-awareness that we find um, so interesting to watch might also mean that when they are made aware of behaviors that aren't necessarily landing, because these are all human people at the end of the day, even if an element of it is, um, you know, steeped in st- in strategy, which isn't specific to Marlowe, um, but really to any number of housewives, are they able to change their ways? Is that even possible connected to human behavior? Because maybe if you aren't self-aware or if your life has been a little bit of a performance, that's not just a performance for reality TV. That's also a performance for yourself. And are you able to really adjust that? Is that something that you can physically quite literally do? Or is that a part of how you have always thought of yourself or how you've always thought of yourself in the ways that you want the rest of the world to see and understand who you are. I don't I don't have an answer for it. I think it's an interesting conversation potentially to have on a future AG and doesn't need to be specific to Atlanta, for example, but could be. Um, I don't know where you go from that. I also think that could be connected to a conversation with Kenya too, who is also in my top five and has been a little bit in the background of this season so far. And I don't know what there is I don't know exactly what to say about that. Um, Obviously, she has a lot going on in her life, but we're not necessarily getting a window into Kenya's friendships or relationships with the other women. And maybe that's just a part of another reason why this season hasn't necessarily um, felt grounded in the Atlanta universe in a universe that honestly is like effervescent and feels so filled with comedy and intellect and quickness that Atlanta to me has always been really, really, really quick. And I don't know, I think the energy is a little bit different this season, but it doesn't, it's certainly not the crisis 911 that last season of New York was, which is brought the franchise to such a grinding halt that its series finaled itself. Um, I just think maybe this is going to be a little bit of an off season or maybe the first couple episodes haven't landed and the next several will. Because as you can tell by the simple fact that I'm like talking about two moments from Atlanta for almost an hour, there is a lot to discuss. And I was honestly really, really relieved by the brunch episode because I felt like that plus this week's episode made me feel excited to see what happens for the rest of the season, which is good. And I would much rather see um, a season that starts in a way where you're like, what's happening? This doesn't feel great. That trip was completely fucked. Kenya's trip, it like didn't make sense. It didn't make sense why they weren't informing people of what they were going to see. The stakes were non-existent as a result. People sort of treated that trip like an errand which felt to us like there were no stakes, especially except rather from Kenya. And then that divide seemingly became consistent for the episodes prior and after. But I would much rather have a season that starts with like an eh and then gross 
and then maybe we'll get somewhere. Maybe we'll get somewhere interesting. I don't think that will happen because of the alum dinner. I think the alum dinner is just an extra little treat. But um, maybe we're getting somewhere this season. I would love to see it. I would love to have us um, land at a place that feels exciting and inspiring, especially when, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> what's happening, especially when you're um, listening to and sometimes talking on a podcast about the psychology behind Housewives. My number one goal is to be inspired to have something to say and discuss. Um, and so I'm thankful to you for your patience with this episode. I'm excited to deep dive some stuff on taking it personally this week, a certain show that was meaningful to people. <laughs> I don't know where we currently are, but you know, and just like that, <laughs> there's more conversation that will continue. Um, and uh, speaking of conversation that'll continue, a certain conversation is now available on the Andy's Girls Patreon, also known as Andy's Girls Live, a Scandal Spritz. That's right, you get to hear the live show that was hosted, oh, this is a fun little full circle, began the episode by talking about Dylan Haver, and I'm ending it with the same but different. Um, you get to listen to the live episode that Dill and I recorded last month. Was it last month? Um, sure, why not? Uh, the day after the Vanderpump Rules finale, we deep dive all things Scandaval and more. There's a Q&A with AGs. There's Andy's Girls Theater, where Dylan Hafer is a fucking superstar in becoming DJ James Kennedy, which was quite um, a delight to watch IRL. So you can listen to that episode, which is available exclusively for the OG of the AG tier, as well as the People's People's Couch premium tier at the Andy Scrolls Patreon. There's also a two-part um, satchel spectacular talking all things New Jersey and VPR available as well. And you can listen to those exclusive bonus episodes and help the little AG train keep on chugging along at patreon.com slash Follow me on social at Dame Galley. I'm going to be posting some of those polls. I also honestly have some remaining questions about New Jersey. Apologies if you're exhausted. But I am really curious because I didn't do a poll after the reunion to see where people, um, see how people are currently feeling about the dynamics in play and who they want to return. And it, I think, is actually, while I could have done both, LOL, I think I would actually be really curious to see how people are feeling now when hopefully some of the temperature doesn't feel quite as hot as it did um, during the entirety of the season of NJ and so many seasons prior. So um, curious for your, for your thoughts on those polls, which will be available in my Instagram stories at Dame Galley. On that note, guys, thanks again for your patience with this episode. Um, my God, have you bought an item of She by Sheree? And if so, during what journey? Because there was the Nordstrom generation, which some of you guys might remember from several years ago when she, I think, had like a single shirt for sale from Nordstrom. I think that they were doing sort of um, mini capsule collections with a variety of designers and it sold out. I 100% would have purchased one had I been able to access it. And then there was the initial uh, launch of She by Sheree with a limited number of items. And now the most recent launch, um, I here's a two-parter, which I might discuss in an upcoming AG Classic or in the Patreon. 
what Housewives merch have you purchased and do you think the price point was worth it? And this is an absolute safe space. You could have bought a bajillion dollar whatever and I will celebrate you for that. I'm just curious. Like I, you know, love me a Dr. Tiffany Moon candle. I love her aromathesia candles. I am recording in the cloth now. I actually have a lot of content creator merch, like art designed. Um, and a mug that a content creator sent me um, when Dorinda was initially put on pause that had, it's like a little bit of like a rest in peace with the dates of when she was actually on <laughs> New York Housewives. That's quite fun. Um, but I'm curious, what have you purchased and do you think it was worth the price and obviously safe space? Slide into my DMs on Instagram and let me know because that a 100% I think is going to have to be a She by she, she by Sheree by Dame Galley by AG Patreon future episode. Um, and listen, this episode, Lord knows was priceless <laughs> and we will continue it soon. Bye-bye.